Well, good evening. It's great to see you this evening. Hasn't it been a fantastic time so far with the Lord, just to worship Him, to be in His presence? Um, Tonight, uh, it's an evening service, but it's also uh, a hungry for God evening, an evening where we come to seek more of God's presence. Uh, We have these evenings regularly in the life of St. Paul's. And, um, and we're great and thrilled to have Nick with us and the team to lead us in worship as part of our evening together. So we're going to continue to pray and continue to give opportunities for us to meet with God uh, as the evening goes on. Just to introduce myself, my name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, it's great to see you. It's just as uh, Mark's already said, if you're new or visiting, or if you're maybe a student who's just arrived, uh, welcome. It's great to see you. Uh, if you'd like to find out any more about St. Paul's, if you want to pick up a welcome pack or ask some questions, do come and find myself or one of the team. We would love uh, to get to know you better. Tonight, I want to speak about this thing called courage. Um, I don't know if you and your mind kind of, something comes to mind when you hear that word courage. Maybe it's a, a particular kind of act of bravery that you've seen or experienced, maybe for yourself or you've seen on TV. Maybe it is kind of Bear grills or Man, Woman, Wild or whatever it might be that you kind of love on Discovery Channel. Uh, maybe it's, you think back to kind of some of the heroes of old, those kind of uh, people who fought in wars and have laid down their lives for others. Maybe it's a film star or a scene from a film. I'm going to kick that over if I leave it there. Maybe uh, it's, you know, someone you know who's, who's put themselves out there in the face of fear so that others can live and receive life. I don't know what you think when you hear the word courage. What I want to do tonight is look a little bit at what the Bible says about courage and particularly look at two guys, Peter and John, in the book of Acts. And we're going to have a verse on the screen in a moment or two that we're going to focus on. I think to be courageous, to have courage, means to be strong in heart, uh, to show bravery in battle, and to be bold. I don't think it means an absence of the thing that we fear, rather it's confidence to walk through it. And it's confidence to walk through it knowing that God is with us. Tonight as we've gathered, I think there's been the sense of God saying to us that he is with us. That he is our rock, he is our courage, he is our comfort, he is our strength. And as we walk with him, we can be courageous. In the New Testament, particularly uh, in the book of Acts, we kind of the idea of a definition of courage is something about uh, a, a person receives courage when they meet with the risen Jesus and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Courage comes as we meet with the risen Jesus and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll come back to that in a moment. Courage in the Bible. It's a big Bible theme. If you read through the whole of the scriptures, you'll find stories of courage all the way through. So let me give you just a few examples as we head towards the book of Acts. Firstly, Moses. You may well know the story. Moses uh, is, is, a, is a man who has, has grown up in Egypt. He's grown up as part of Pharaoh's household, but he has to leave uh, Pharaoh, because he kills uh, an Egyptian, he, he runs away and hides in a land, I think he, he hides in Midian. And suddenly he's doing what he's done for 40 years, tend the sheep, walk around the wilderness on his own, maybe wondering what could have been if he hadn't messed his life up. And suddenly he sees this burning bush and, 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 and he's drawn closer. And he has this incredible encounter with God where God calls him uh, to be the man to lead his people out of Egypt and into the promised land. But we know Moses' response is this, is that I'm not the man to do the job. Maybe we relate to that. 
I'm not the man, I'm not the woman for this job. I'm not the person you're looking for. I've not got the skills, I've not got the experience. Moses didn't believe he could speak properly or that he would have any kind of gravitas or any influence on the leaders of Israel. And he fled Egypt in disgrace. He knew that his past mistakes would probably count against him. Moses was a leader who showed courage whilst knowing his own shortcomings and failings. Joshua, who uh, succeeded Moses in leading the people of God, who, who went into the promised land. And at the start of the book of Joshua, God seems to speak to him constantly, to telling him to be strong and courageous. And maybe that's because Joshua needed to be reminded that if he's to accomplish all that God has got for him to do, he's going to take tremendous courage. Perhaps it's something for him that he struggles with, a sense of courage. And I think courage is a choice that we make in the face of big challenges and overwhelming circumstances. What are you facing today? What is it in your life that you're holding before God and saying, God, you need to help me with this. I don't know how to face it. I want to run away. I want to leave it behind. It's a choice that we make, courage, in the face of big challenges and overwhelming circumstances. So Joshua, going to a a character called Gideon. Maybe you've heard of Gideon. Called by God to lead his people in the battle against the Midianites. You find his story in Judges chapter 6 to 8. God greets this man who's hiding in a hole, protecting his food from raiding parties from other countries. He's hiding away. He, he does not want to be caught. He just wants to keep for himself what's his. He's not worried about the wider world. He's only concerned about him and his little thing. And God kind of, it's almost like God picks up the kind of cover to his hole and goes, Hey, mighty hero. Kind of an odd way to greet someone hiding in a hole. Gideon's just convinced that he is the least in his family. He says this, I'm the least in my family and I'm least, and our family is the least in the tribe of Manasseh. We aren't anyone worth bothering with. But God says to this guy lacking in confidence, lacking in, in, in maybe ability, who has made the choice to hide away, I want to call you to defeat the army, to defeat the Midianites. And he does it in the story you know that, that Gideon has a huge army, gathers this big group of people, 30,000 people. And God says, ah, it's far too big. So it takes away all but 300 of his men. So Gideon, the, the one who hides in a hole, is now facing an enormous army with just 300 men. Gideon goes on to defeat them because God is with him. Gideon, in the face of overwhelming circumstances, goes on to defeat his enemies because God is with him. And we've been looking at Nehemiah over the last few weeks. And, and uh, there's uh, two books close together, closely linked actually, Nehemiah and Esther. And both Nehemiah and Esther enter the courts of the king to ask for something. They both put their lives in their hands and say, I don't care if the, the king kills me, this is too important. They show this tremendous courage. In Esther chapter 4, verse 14, um, I think it's um, uh, Mordecai speaking to Esther. He says this, Maybe, Esther, you have been called for such a time as this. We so often, don't we, say, God, take me out of this situation. Take me away from these circumstances. Just if, if I could find another job or another boss or another family or another place to live, another street, another neighborhood, wherever it is, but take me away. How many of us have prayed those prayers? Take me out of that situation. Maybe we pray this prayer. 
Lord, keep me safe. Protect me. Guard me. Guide me. Don't let me make any mistakes. Keep me like Gideon underneath the thing so no one's going to get my stuff or take my things away. Keep me safe. But the interesting thing is, as we read the Bible, we don't find people praying very often for safety. I don't know if that worries you. We don't find people praying so much for protection. We don't find people praying, God, take me out of this situation. Or we certainly don't find God doing that. Because God wants to give us courage that we might go through it. God wants to give us courage that we might stand firm in it. So today, if you're facing persecution, if you're facing times of trial, if you're uh, confronted with overwhelming circumstances, maybe it's your job is under threat, maybe it is if one more red bill comes through the door, I don't know how I'm going to pay it. Maybe it's if my children uh, would only just come back to me, would, if, if, if we could only resolve the family issues and the relationship struggles that we have. And maybe we're just tempted to pray, God, just take me out of it. Just take me away. Lead me somewhere else. Or just guard what I've got. Keep me safe. Don't let anything rob me. But maybe God is saying to you today, you've been called for such a time as this, and I've got courage to give you in the midst of the storm. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, one of my favorite stories, where Jesus, we get a glimpse a rare glimpse, actually, into Jesus' prayer life. Jesus prays this prayer. Take this cup of suffering from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Take this cup of suffering from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, at that moment, strengthened himself in God. Take this cup from me. The honesty, the openness. God, I'm, I'm, I don't know what this, I don't know if I can do this. I don't want to go this way but I want to do your will. Take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. He refused to give in to fear. I don't know if you can think of a decision that you've ever made or uh, that's been a decision based on fear. We don't go for a job or, or we don't enter into a relationship or we don't end a relationship because we're too frightened to think what might happen. And from my experience, and I can only speak of my experience, but I wonder if it's true for us, that decisions made based on fear, they're not very good decisions. We don't make good decisions when we make them out of fear. We make great decisions when they're made out of faith and courage. Jesus made a great decision and refused to give in to fear. So courage is this big theme through the scriptures. We're called to be courageous people. We're called to live courageous lives. And the thing is, is that courage isn't for the superstar. Every character that shows this remarkable courage is either not just a normal person, but someone who's below normal, someone who's not confident, someone who's like Gideon, someone who's like Moses, someone who's like Joshua, someone who's like Esther. We might see them as heroes of the faith, but we see them as heroes of the faith after we've seen them show courage. If we could have the slide up on the screen, Rich, just this verse in Acts chapter 4, which is where I want to start. What I want to do is look at this verse as the kind of center point and have a look at the story that surrounds it, the context, if you will. So Acts chapter 4, verse 13, this is going to stay on the screen. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. 
they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, not educated, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. This verse appears in a story, a long narrative in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. And the story is this, Peter and John are heading to the temple, start of Acts chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, you might want to follow it. I'm not going to read it, I'm just going to retell what happened. They head to the temple to pray, now that's a daily activity. What are your daily activities? What do you do most days? Do you get on the tube? Do you head to work? Do you get your kids to school? Um, What is it? Everyday activity that you have. For Peter and John, at this time of day, they headed to the temple to pray. Outside the temple, there's a lame man who's been lame for 40 years. Um, And each day, he's been placed in front of the temple. Now, that means that Peter and John have seen this man before. He's well known. In fact, in verse 10, it says this. um, Is it verse 10 of chapter 3? Here we go. When they realized he was the lame beggar, this is after he'd been healed, they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. This man was a regular kind of appearance in their day. So everyday activity heading to the temple and an everyday meeting with someone they saw all the time. And in the middle of the everyday, normal, boring existence of life, God breaks in and does something incredible. This man is healed. I think Peter sees something different. If you read the story, it seems to hint at that. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John looked at him intently, verse 4, and Peter said to him, look at us. The man is asking for money. He was hoping they were going to give him something, just to buy him some food, shelter for the night, whatever it was. Peter looked at him and saw something different. Sometimes we think that we only need courage in these incredible, exceptional, mountaintop moments that are utterly different to everyday life. I think God wants to give each one of us courage today for tomorrow. When we get on our everyday journey into work, when we do the everyday schoolman, where we meet the same people, because God wants to use us every day. And I think we need courage every day to do what God would have for us. So Peter says to him, You know, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. Peter's not done that before. But that's because in the middle of this ordinary moment, God breaks in and he does something he would never normally do. I wonder if God spoke to him. I wonder if God said to Peter, don't give him money, give him his life back. Don't give him money, give him his life back. Imagine that the needs we see in the people we work with and we spend time with in our family. And we're used to doing everyday things for them. And suddenly God says, I want you to do this. Do you know that call? That requires courage to obey that, doesn't it? It requires courage to step out in faith. Peter responds to this prompting from God, steps out in faith, and God acts. And then we know what happens is that the, the whole square is is thrown into uproar because people are just astounded that God has done something. God is present in their midst. They'd seen it with Jesus, but they still thought Jesus was dead. A lot of them did. But suddenly it's happened again. There's someone being healed dramatically. So Peter takes this opportunity to preach to a crowd in the outer courts of the temple. Think back a few, a few weeks earlier in Peter's life in the outer courts of the temple with a slave girl in the middle of the night. Aren't you one of those people who follows Jesus? No. A second time, aren't you one of those people who follows Jesus? No. A third time, 
Peter, well, maybe not hear his name. I'm sure you sound like one of those people who follow Jesus. And Jesus, uh, Peter calls down curses upon himself to deny that he knows Jesus. One slave girl, three in the morning, no witnesses. The lame man is healed. And listen to this in verse 12. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd of thousands. When we meet the risen Jesus and we're filled with his spirit, we can see our opportunity and address the crowd. We can do something different in an everyday moment that we may not have thought about before. He speaks of Jesus again. He did the same at Pentecost, but he speaks of Jesus again. So in Acts chapter 13, uh, chapter 4, verse 13, we see that they were ordinary people. Peter and John are ordinary people. They're fishermen. They're unschooled. They have no rabbinic education. They're not trained to speak to thousands of Jewish people. But they are people who are known to have been with Jesus. They're recognized and known as disciples of Jesus Christ. Are we? Are we recognized and known as people who have been with Jesus? Some of you at that moment go, probably not. And think, thanks Chris, I feel a bit beaten down. It's not really encouraging, that's not helpful. But isn't it great that we can be with Jesus this evening? Isn't it great that just one evening with the Lord, in his presence, being filled with the Spirit, meeting with him, that can change our Mondays. That can change him. Tonight, if you know that just I've not been with Jesus recently, tonight is the opportunity to to press in and speak to him. I mean, the story goes on. The council didn't know what to do with them. These unschooled, uneducated people who could gather a crowd of thousands, heal a man who'd been lame for 40 years. But they couldn't deny what God had done, but they couldn't cope with what that meant. And sometimes when God moves, we might think, well, of course, if God healed someone or did something dramatic, everything would change for the better. I think if we read the New Testament, that's not always the case. But it does give people an opportunity to see that God is alive and at work in our world. They are told, do not speak about Jesus anymore. And their response is, no chance. Not on your life. What can you do to me? Who are you? I've met with the risen Jesus. You can't touch me. You can take my life, but you can't touch me. They were unwilling to compromise. And many of us have prayed for uh, Pastor Nadar Khani. I don't know if you've seen his news. He was released recently after, I think, several years in prison just for being a follower of Jesus. Imprisoned for his faith. And he could have been let out if he'd just been willing to compromise, just to say, well, actually, you know, I could leave the Jesus thing to one side. I don't need to follow him. But this is what he said. When asked to repent of his beliefs, he said this, Repent means to return. To whom would I return? And the judges replied, To the religion of your ancestors, Islam. And to which he replied, Not on your life. I paraphrase. I cannot, he said. I will not. In the face of prison and probable death. And we pray today that he'd continue to live in freedom. He represents millions of Christians around the world today for whom being a Christian is an immense cost and they show daily courage in their walk with with Christ. Maybe we don't have the same open hostility uh, to being Christians. Perhaps it's much more subtle than that. But to be a Christian in Ealing in 2012, tomorrow, takes courage. 
It really does. It takes courage and it takes commitment. It takes us being people who've met with the risen Jesus and who've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe we're not imprisoned, but we may be ridiculed. Maybe we're not fired from our job or excluded from our families, but we just meet disinterest and and indifference. And we can feel as though we're riding against a tide of unresponsiveness and apathy. And it requires courage to step up above that, to make a difference, to share our faith in Jesus. Are we people who are known to be with Jesus, who've been changed by him in some way? Maybe it takes courage to invite people to Alpha, We had a fantastic time at Alpha last Wednesday. 30 of us gathering together and a whole mix of people from a mix of backgrounds. There's still time to invite people to come. Maybe there's someone at work tomorrow you can invite. Simple as just saying, we have this thing at at church called Alpha. Bring them along. Just a step of courage isn't often a big thing. It's often just the small step by step, the daily decisions that we make uh, for Jesus. So Peter and John are released and they, the first thing they do is they go back to find uh, their friends, those who've been praying for them. And so at the end of Acts chapter 4, you might want to turn there just as we finish. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29 to 31, there's a prayer they pray. They gather together. And remember what I said about this prayer for safety. Gideon hid himself away under a bowl, under a place that he wouldn't be found so his stuff wouldn't be stolen. Moses went into the wilderness and assumed that God had abandoned him. We often, we don't, we pray those prayers. God, take me away. I don't want to face the difficulty anymore. It's too hard. And I think I'd have been, if I was in Peter and John's shoes, I'd been arrested. I'd have gone and taken the warning. Well, guys, maybe we need to have a a different tactic. Just think differently about how we're going to communicate about Jesus. Maybe we can do it, you know, with sort of leafleting or something else that might be helpful, a bit more, you know, politically correct. And Peter and John just don't care. They don't care. They've been arrested. In fact, they're thrilled because they remember what Jesus said, don't they? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of me. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And actually, I think when we're filled with the Spirit and we've met with the risen Jesus, fear can sometimes take on a different meaning to us. We just don't really worry about it so much. It's not always the case. I've been a Christian 15 years and believe me, there are plenty of things uh, that I'm frightened of and nervous about and decisions that I make sometimes that are wrong because of fear. But listen to what they pray. They gather together and they say this, and now, O Lord, verse 29, hear their threats of arrest, of imprisonment, and give your servants great boldness in their preaching. Give your servants great boldness in their preaching. Send your healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Okay, God, they want us in prison. Let's do more. They are crazy people, but they change the world. Unschooled, uneducated, people who just been with Jesus turned the Roman Empire upside down within three centuries because they prayed for more boldness. They prayed for more courage. They prayed that they would do more for Jesus, not less. They prayed that they wouldn't be taken out of the situation. They would plough straight through it with his help because of he is with them. And what was the response? The response was almost another Pentecost, another outpouring of the Spirit. The building shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened? They preached God's message with boldness. But more than that, if you go into Acts chapter 5, 
there's that difficult encounter with Ananias and Sapphira, and I haven't got time to look at that now, but there's real, a real sense of the power of God close to them. But in Acts chapter 5, verse 12 to 16, there's dramatic healings and deliverances. People are set free, the signs and wonders. And there's continued persecution, but they keep praying for boldness. So for us today, in everyday life, where we go about our everyday activity, do we expect God to meet with us and break in into the people's lives that we meet? The healing of the lame man. He'd been there 40 years. Maybe we've been in our workplace, it feels like, for 40 years. And maybe tomorrow God wants to do something through each one of us. And what it takes is this, is a, is a willingness to be available, a commitment to meet with Jesus, and doing what he tells us. In the small thing, something quite extraordinary could happen. When God calls us to do something, it will require courage to risk and step out. And being filled with the Spirit, I want to say, is absolutely essential for every Christian. It's a continuous thing. Every one of us tonight could say, Lord, I need more of your Holy Spirit, more of your presence living within me. Because as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, we need to be continually filled because we leak. We, just, we don't stay full because we need to be dependent on God. Are we regularly asking to be filled with the Spirit? Maybe tonight you need more of God's Spirit. We would love to pray for you. We need to remember God uses the ordinary, unskilled people to do extraordinary things. We just need to be people who've been with the risen Jesus. We just need to be people who've been with the risen Jesus. And I'll finish with this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, we've sung it tonight. But I think this is a word from God to some of us. I think it's a word for some of us who are facing tremendous difficulty in life at the moment. We are clinging on by our fingernails. But I think it's for some of us who've become all too comfortable with how life is. Actually, everyday life, we're just going about our daily business. And I think God wants to challenge us. Listen to this. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Is life weighing you down? Are you carrying a whole load of stuff? If tomorrow morning fills you with dread, if God is for you, who can be against you? Have maybe you held back? Have maybe we just not stepped out of faith when God's invited us to? If God is for us, who could be against us? Peter and John got it. And they stepped out of faith and turned a city upside down. That would be quite fun tomorrow, wouldn't it? Maybe we could turn our city upside down. People who've been captive for 40 years, healed and set free. Marriages restored simply because we bring an encouraging word. People who are, 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 are close to the edge brought to Jesus just through something simple that we do. Why don't we stand? We're going to pray for more power, more boldness, more healings and miracles, more of the Spirit. I'm going to pray that God would give us courage. Because if our God is for us, then who could ever be against us?